Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for thunder and lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman. Woo! Here with you on a Friday morning. Thanks for joining us here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. I think I saw that Churn and Spoon, they were open. They've been open these past couple of days. So if you've been being careful and hitting the road, that's probably definitely a good place to stop because you need to warm your bones. It, it, is, it is cold. Did you see, did you see the, 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 the ice spear I pulled off of my house today? I didn't, but I pulled one as well today, and it was about the length of – it was about as long as Cal T is tall. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was about it was about I a put three – a picture feet. of mine on Twitter. It looks like I'm holding a fish. <laughs> I'm, a I'm now going back to see. Yeah. I haven't tweeted much today. It'll be easy to find. But that said, when the weather is like that, you need hot chocolate, you need hot coffee, you need, you need strange brew coffee house. Not that I don't love Churn and Spoon. I just don't know that this is the right time for them. So I got to be totally honest. <laughs> I'm looking at the picture now. Yeah. Look yeah. at that thing. <laughs> Yours had a lot more girth. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. I put it on the T. Put it on the T there for me. I appreciate that, Joel. Uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah. Get over to Strange Brew Coffee. As the roads look like they're starting to clear up a little bit. Supposed to be a sunny day today on Friday here in Starkville and in Tupelo. Uh, so you can maybe get everything cleared up and head over and grab your favorite beverage from Strange Brew. College Corner, man, we are at baseball season now. You've got to get some new M over S gear. You need to head to College Corner. Two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They are in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They are in Flowood by the Half Shell. And when you head over there, well, then you know what you're getting. The top quality and biggest and best selection of maroon and white merchandise anywhere in central Mississippi. Head over there today to College Corner or shop online at College Corner Store. Advantage Business System says, why pick? Why choose? Why not get both the best of both worlds? Get a business big enough to serve all of your information technology needs, but small enough to give you the personalized customer service you need and expect when you do business with your fellow Mississippians. And that's what Advantage Business System is all about, doing business with Mississippians for Mississippians. Nearly five decades working here in the Magnolia State, helping out businesses just like yours. Call them today at 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com and you find out how Advantage Business Systems can help your business do business. Joel, I know that this is one of your favorite shows, right? This has got to be it. This this is the first pod of the year where we are going to talk that there is a baseball game happening this weekend. If If there's still such a thing as knock it out, Joel, this is this is it. Today, I mean, you know, every Friday. Coach, (laughs) I'm ready to play today. Today. Uh, I hope now. You know, I I hope they're ready to play. 
Let's um, let's talk about being ready to play because you know we talked to Chris Monas on on Thursday, and at this time, as as it stands right now, yes, college baseball is supposed to happen this weekend in Texas. I guess we should say right now is ten thirty six p.m. on Thursday. So right. you, you might listen. receive any kind of word to the uh, contrary that it's not going to be happening in the next forty eight hours. Yes, but. As we've all seen these past few uh, few days, anything is possible. Uh, as it sits right now, uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss are scheduled to leave on the same plane from Birmingham to Dallas and then head over to Arlington for baseball uh, at the Globe Life Field showdown. <laughs> Chris Lamont has made it clear, though, that, hey, they could get the call tomorrow that this isn't going to happen. But as it all stands right now, Mississippi State and Texas will have first pitch 11 a.m. on Saturday morning uh, from Arlington. I don't feel like we can really do a good job of going back and looking at Texas because, you know, they don't their, – their, their season ended the same time as everybody else's. I don't know who all's back and what, what from, all, from last year. So I really want to focus more on Mississippi State. We've talked about it a couple of times, the, a couple of positions still up for grabs. Were you surprised today? Because you asked the question about position battles. When you asked, when asked about left field, the guy you and I thought might have gotten the first crack was the third guy mentioned in Brandon yeah, Mimitel. He was like the also mentioned guy. Yeah, he's like, and Brandon Mimitel might have a shot. Might? So, what did you think of his answer to that question and, and the guys that he mentioned? Well, I thought about that afterwards too, and, and that may be. Partly my fault, partly, you know, our fault as a beat, too, that we didn't, you know, follow up or anything. I don't guess he was asked at all on Thursday about is anyone suffering from any kind of injury issues or anything. I mean, as far as we know, you know, Brandon Pimentel may have been the also mentioned guy because, you know, maybe his ankle hurts or something. I don't know. Right. You know, we, we didn't really follow that up. Um, I know Braylon Skinner, he mentioned to start for Rotary um, back on Tuesday that, yeah. uh, that Braylon Skinner is going to enter the year banged up for at least the first couple of weeks. So we do know that, but, but anyway, back to left field and possibly not being Pimentel. I was, yeah, I was pretty shocked because I would have thought that would have been the first name rolling off the tongue. Uh, it was not, it was Brad Combust. It was, uh, I believe he said Drew McGowan mm-hmm. um, could be out there in left field. Um, yeah. I, I found it a little bit surprising. Um, but then again, too, I mean, look, this is Southeastern Conference baseball, and you and I both saw with our own two eyes what Brandon Pimentel looked like at the plate a year ago. Yeah. And it was not good. Not good. And, and when that was you, not against SEC caliber pitching. It was not. And, and, and when you have guys, whether it's a Brad Combust or whether it's, you know, another name that he mentioned, and I think for the very first time, it's the first time he's associated this name with this position. Mm-hmm. He mentioned Kellum Clark possibly playing left field at some at some point. You and I sort of had penciled in at third. At, at third. And he's also we I've heard him mention a couple of times now possibly playing Kellum Clark at first some and Hatcher and left. Mm-hmm. Um, so with some of the things that he's mentioned, I, I, I can I foresee you know one of his goals is somehow some way whether it's DH whether it's third whether it's left he wants Kellum Clark's bat in the lineup pretty quickly. <laughs> um, so th- that's one thing to keep in mind as you piece together the early portion of this season, I think he wants Kellum Clark's bat in the lineup and he wants it in there now. And, and so you're going to have to find a hole for him somewhere. 
Um, the old baseball adage is, you know, if, if you can hit, they'll find a spot for you. And it, right. and it seems to be that Kellen Clark is, has gotten to that point in, in scrimmages and, and things is he is such an offensive force that he has to find a spot. That said, I mean, you're going to throw the kid out there in left field, a spot that he's probably not all that familiar with on, on day one, opening day in Arlington. I, I don't know. In a major um, league baseball park. In a major league park. That, that he's never played in. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you look around. I mean, he, he'll have a guy – if he is, I mean, you look to his left, he'll have Rowdy Jordan there who's basically been a starter from day one in the outfield. Um, you know, Tanner Allen. You know, Josh Hatcher, I guess, hadn't really been a full-time starter from day one, but he's pretty, he's played a lot since yeah. day one. Um but I, I don't know. I don't know where Kellum will end up being, but I am convinced now, based on what uh, Lamonis has said, that Kellum Clark will be in the lineup somewhere. That leaves, you know, if he's not left, if you were to believe the order in which they came off of Lamonis' tongue, I mean, is Brad Cumbus going to be your opening day left fielder? I, I, that would be interesting. I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't have called that. But then again, I mean – I mean, we've seen Brad Cumbus before. I mean, he's got a little pop, you know. And yeah. I mean, Brad Cumbus has showed us as much offensively as Brandon Pimentel has. Maybe more. Maybe more. Yeah. Um, so he's there's that. a better athlete, too. And, uh, you know, that make, it makes it interesting, though. If, if he nails down a starting spot in baseball, don't you think that might be the, the, the signal that that might be the end for him in football? I mean, without knowing what's in Brad Cumbus's mind and heart. Right. We're, you know, we're it's tough to, to say that, yeah. but – if it was Joel and I've knocked down a starting lineup spot in baseball and then football, I'm not getting that much playing time. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'd have to see how the money situation works out as right, far as right. scholarship and all, but, but yeah, I mean, it seemed to make sense to, to go that route. Um, I, I, I kind of feel like though, man, and look, Chris Lamonis might have this thing in mind too, but I kind of feel like you have to give Brandon Pimentel a chance here. Right. Cause I mean, I've heard too much about how good he has looked at times in scrimmages and in fall ball, and, of course, he comes in here with, with a lot of hype. Um, I, I guess I've just heard too much to just say that it's time to give up on him. That's well, it. I, I mean, agree. Their eyeballs have seen more than my eyeballs have seen. Um, this would be a much I, easier situation if you weren't playing Texas, TCU, and Texas Tech. If you were bringing in, you know, Southeast Louisiana for a weekend series, then, yeah, you can move some guys around. But these yeah, are games – you sort of need to win a few of them because that that'll really set you up well for. That, it's weird that something in February would set you up really good for May and yeah. June, but it will. You get some wins here; those are going to be good RPI wins throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, it, this is big talk, but I mean, like if you come out of this weekend three and zero, I mean, you come out this weekend three and zero. All you got to do is handle your business in the conference, and I mean, because you're probably going to win the other non-conference games. You should be not only hosting; you should be a national seed. <laughs> it's it's it seems far fetched, but it's true. You you know, you're kind of mentioning how you may play this weekend differently because of the opposition. I know you can't do this, but what you could, what you really need this season, if you could do it, which you can't, I don't guess, but you really need three or four of those John Cohen weekends when he was the head coach, when you played like four games in three yeah. days for the first month of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those uh, little mini tournaments, basically, yeah. And you, yeah. And you get to you got to see the entirety of your roster, yeah. And you got you got a pretty clear picture early on of the of the guys that you could count on, the guys you couldn't. You know, you're figuring that out this weekend, and you may come out of this thing zero and three. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah. the you nature have to play of the, beast. the best guys in, the, in these games. 
You know, yeah, but it's, you it's, have to you you have to play your best guys when at least at two spots in the lineup you don't know who that is, mm-hmm. and so you just kind of trial <laughs> trial by fire, I guess, and, and we'll see what state does. I mean, it's not going to shock me if we come out of this weekend and you have maybe three different starting left fielders. Yeah, I mean, would that be a total shock if maybe McGowan started a game, if Pimentel started a game, if Cumbus started a game? No, it wouldn't be total. Shock. I, I mean, maybe Kellum, maybe Kellum gets a starting left. I don't know. It wouldn't shock me if you come out of this weekend with three different starting left fielders in the three games. We'll see. So, how important is it to you then that the, the veteran guys step up? And by that, I mean Allen, Jordan, and Hatcher. They sort of have to be the guys that carry this lineup this weekend, don't they? Well, we kind of talked about this. I think it may have been a Rumblings question a couple of weeks ago. Somebody asked about who who were the guys that just had to come through, and I think I mentioned like Sarah Dola or something, and you talked me into it. I mean, no, who you need to come through are the guys that you think you can kind of take to the bank what you're going to get out right. of. And so, I mean, yeah, if if you have a situation where, look, Rowdy Jordan has been kind of a streaky hitter over the course of his Mississippi State career. Yeah. You know, wouldn't it? It was 2019, wasn't it? Um, whenever yeah. he was hitting like 190. <laughs> or something yeah, like that. I mean, dropped, he was, yeah, he had a, he he had a was, long slump there. He had a humongously long slump, and then he, he broke out of it, of course, like midseason. He's been a streaky hitter. You really don't need that to happen right now while you're trying to figure out a couple, two or three other spots in your lineup. You know, not to mention the fact that we don't even 100% know that like a Cameron James, is he going to continue to progress? I mean, I think he will. He looked pretty good last year, and and I feel like he's going to take even more, you know, further strides this year, but – Whenever there's a couple of other spots in the lineup that you're trying to figure out, you really need to have some spots that you can just take to the bank. And and that's Rowdy, that's Tanner Allen, that's Josh Hatcher. I might even throw Scotty DeBrule in there, um, a, a guy that's been a four-year starter at Jacksonville. Um, you, you need those spots to be consistent. And then, you know, hope that Logan Tanner takes another stride forward. Hope that Cameron James takes another stride forward. And that gives you some slack to kind of figure out third, figure out left field, figure out, you know, where to put Kellum Clark, where he fits into things. You really do need in the early going, I think, those guys that have been the, you know, the cornerstones of this team the last three years. You need them to be who you think they are. Well, then who do you think they are? Who do you, who do you think – of that group, of those, those top three guys there, I mean, do, do you have three guys that you feel you can absolutely rely on? I mean, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm I'm a little worried about Rowdy. Not that I don't think he will ultimately be productive, but through the entirety of his Mississippi State career, he has been that streaky guy. And and to a certain extent, when you're, what, four years into a career, it's kind of who you are until you're not, <laughs> you know? And right. so right now, when I think of Rowdy, I kind of a little bit think of that streakiness. So, I mean, I'm not totally convinced that Rowdy's going to come out firing on all cylinders from day one. I mean, he's going to be a good player ultimately. When you look at the totality of this season, I have no doubt that Rowdy Jordan is going to put up the numbers and and be a solid, strong piece for this team. But I'm not, you know, what if he goes the first two weeks with one hit? That's kind of what happened a couple years ago, you know. I mean, if if that happens, would that totally shock me? No, because he's had some of those streaks before. Um I feel like of that group, of those three, that Tanner is the most consistent. Um, you know, I feel like Hatcher has the most pop. I feel like Tanner is the most well-rounded hitter of the three. 
I mean, I feel like Rowdy can get just smoking hot sometimes um, too. But if you ask me which one of those I'm most con- most convinced is going to be a 300 hitter and, you know, hit, I don't know that he's going to hit just a ton of homers, but he'll hit you a few. And, of course, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll find a bunch of gaps. I, I think that's Tanner. You can just – I feel like you can put it, you know, down right now, take it to the bank that he's going to be consistent. You do worry a little bit because he had a hand injury last year. That's such a big thing for hitters. And look, I know that apparently he's looked pretty good in the in, in the back in the fall or, or this spring and scrimmages and stuff. So maybe that's totally behind him. But that is in the back of my mind just a little bit that sometimes when a, a hitter messes up something in the hand, it takes a little while longer. Yeah. Um, but it, it does kind of seem like it all is well there. But at, that at least bears watching. Um, and, and then there's Hatch, who, I mean, we've seen the pop that he has. Um, he, uh, I guess, for whatever reason, maybe you'll disagree with me. I don't. Out of those, out of those three, um, re- really, I'm, I'm thinking more like Tanner and Josh right now. I feel more confident that Tanner is going to consistently produce than Josh. D- do you feel that way? I mean, I feel like Josh yes. is probably going to end the year with more homers. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if if Josh has a, some long, prolonged stretches of, of slumping. I could see that before I could see Tanner having that, but yes, you just uh, never know. Throughout his career, Tanner Allen has been the more consistent hitter than Josh Hatcher. Yes, so I don't think it, I don't think it's much of a stretch to to project it, that he has a, a better senior season or whatever you want to call it season uh, at Mississippi State than, than Josh Hatcher does. I, I do I do think that Hatcher will have a good season. Yeah, I think, I think all I think all three of those guys will. To to be I agree with you clear though, here, Rowdy's the one I'm concerned about. Just because he he I've seen him struggle at times before, but then again, when he gets hot, man, he 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 can really see the ball and, and do a great job of putting it into the plate. And uh, so I I expect him to have a good season, but I won't. He's the guy that I wouldn't be totally surprised if he got off to a to a slow start. Well, another piece of this is if Cameron James becomes the hitter that I kind of think he could, if Logan Tanner becomes the hitter that I kind of think he could, then those other guys, you know, they don't have to just light the world on fire. You know, it's great if they did, but you have the potential here to have at least a one through seven in your lineup that day in, day out, you just know you got a chance. Um, and maybe even deeper than that. You know, if you figure out left field, figure out third base, um, if Kellen Clark continues to hit and you find a spot for him, I mean, you have the potential here to have a really deep lineup all the way, you know, one through nine. And if that's the case, it's a little bit back to that football argument that proved not to be true. You know, going into football season, we said if the defense was just kind of good, you're going to be okay. As it turned out, the defense was really good and, and you really weren't okay because the offense fell off. I don't really foresee that happening with Mississippi State's pitching. I think there's too many options. State's pitching, I would bet a lot of money State's pitching is going to be really, really, really good all year long because there's just too many options for it not to be. If one guy falls on his face, there's three more waiting to step in. So I feel confident about State's pitching. If State can be just pretty good offensively, you know, they don't have to lead the SEC in in hitting. If they can just be pretty good, I think this team is going to be really good. And, And you have the makings of a lineup that can be, bare minimum, pretty good. And at its peak, I think, could be really good. And if they are, I mean, you have the makings of a potential SEC champion. So let's talk about that pitching staff, and let's move on over to pitching. That's going to be brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. 
they are up and uh, running. They are open. So if you need to get some, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, the idea of firing up the grill, not a bad one. You know why? It's warm. It's warm around the grill. It's fire. So there you go. Head over to Walk Home Beef, pick up a steak, pick up a roast. Hey, I would chili, stew. That's the kind of food you need to be cooking this weekend. Walk Home Beef can put some great products within your grass. So call them at 662-268-8148 or visit them online and take a look around at their website at welcomehomebeef.com. And whatever you cook up this weekend, one thing is for sure. It just tastes good. Speaking of tasting good, our good friends over at Two Brothers Smoked Meats want to remind you that when things are open in Starkville, and, you know, it's been a, I tell you, local businesses, go out and support, wherever you live, go out and support your local businesses because, my goodness, they have been taking it on the chin now for going on 12 months. But Two Brothers is the place to be when things are, you know, thawed out here in Starkville to go pick up some of the best dinner and lunch in this city. A lot more than just barbecue at Two Brothers. You know, people, to people like the mistake, Joel, they always say Two Brothers Barbecue. It's not Two Brothers Barbecue. It's Two Brothers Smoked Meats. And that's not just barbecue. So head on over there today. Great food, great drinks, great atmosphere right there in the Cotton District. An easy walk to campus from, for, to head over to Duty Noble for baseball this season. Two Brothers Smoked Meats, so much more than barbecue. Southern Smoked soul food. MSU's starting rotation was announced. There was no surprises to it. It is McLeod, Bednar, and Sarantola. Obviously, a, a, a lot of arms available to the Bulldogs this weekend. they got long relievers available. They've got short relievers available. We were interested to see who the closer is going to be. Joel, this time a year ago, we were having these discussions about, man, I just don't know. So much unproven stuff on this baseball team as far as the pitching staff goes. And now we're looking and going, this might be the deepest staff in the country. Yeah. You think back to where we were a year ago at this time, you know, you had JT Ginn as your Friday night starter. Yeah. And he threw, he threw three innings and then got hurt again. And then it was kind of like, a, well, we're about to see if Christian McLeod's a Friday night ace. And then now coming into this year, 12 months and, and not really very many innings under his arm, and we're already kind of like, maybe I'm the maybe I'm the one that's too guilty of this, but I, I, we've already I think kind of anointed Christian McLeod as the can't fail guy of this staff, right? And you know, are you a little bit concerned? I mean, let's look at that for just a second. Are you are you at all concerned about that? I mean, he has what four starts under his belt in his in his Mississippi State career, hadn't pitched against an SEC opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not the ace of the staff until JT Ginn. Uh, right, and I'm right, right on that. Until right. JT again went down, right, and even then, you know, for a weekend or so, I think didn't Carlisle Kessler get a Friday night start once, and then yes. like they ended up. Uh, so he only has like what a couple of Friday night starts under his belt in his right. career. Um, but yet all of us, you know, he's got a ton of national awards. Um, it's almost like we have just anointed him as the can't fail guy of this staff. And, look, I think he's really talented, maybe the most talented of, of the pitching staff, and he may not can fail. I mean, he is that good. But I, I guess I, I just – are you a little bit concerned at all about the level of expectation that everybody has just placed upon him given the fact that he ain't really experienced? It, it sort of feels like the people who had concerns about K.J. Costello, like, oh, because the Pac-12 is just different. Than the, you know, and, and it is. It is different. 
in the SEC. And, yeah, he looked great against uh, Oregon State and Quinnipiac and Long Beach State. But those are not Florida and Vanderbilt and Ole Miss and Arkansas, and they're not Texas, to be totally honest with you. So, yeah, there's, there's reason to be – concerned might not be the right word, but cautious. You need to be a little cautious. And the same is true for Bednar and Sarantola. Sarantola exactly. is the most experienced guy in this group. Yep. He's the only guy who's actually faced SEC batters. Um, so I, I get the being cautious about it, but we all we, we know the talent is there. And, and, and for me, you know, I feel like when you have arm talent, it just sort of takes care of itself. You know, if you throw 90-plus, you have good location, you have good movement, if you can throw the off-speed stuff and you have control – everything's going to take care of itself, all right? Yeah. You know, for hitting, it's, it's something different, right? Because it, you've got to be able to hit those things. Yeah. For pitching, it's just putting the ball where you want it to go. And, and I think McLeod especially can do that. I, I don't I mean, have a lot of questions about him or, or about this staff, to be totally honest with you. There's just too many. What was the stat that came from Lamonis the other day? 10, 12 guys have been 95 or above? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's working it there. That's, that's the kind of stuff <laughs> – I mean, we could probably name them. All three of the starters could probably get there. You know that Landon Sims can get there. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. I'm, I'm, there's probably a couple of the freshmen. Fristo the is freshmen. probably a guy who can get up there. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to guess until I actually see it on the, on the gun. And then you got a guy like Spencer Price who's not going to get there, but he was so effective a year ago. Riley Self's probably not throwing 95, but when he's effective, no. he's one of the best relievers in the country. Carlo Kessler certainly not getting there, but we've seen him be effective as well. So I don't have a whole lot. You know, whatever questions I have about the hitters, I have far fewer about the pitchers. And I do agree that, that I think you've said it before, that pitching is going to be the one that carries this team at least the first couple of weeks while they start figuring things out with this line. Yeah, and back to McLeod for just a second. The thing that makes me the most confident about him is – I'm, I'm thinking back, and sometimes it's dangerous when you just rely upon the memory of the, of the device between your ears. But I'm thinking back, and he never really had an inning get away from him at all. Like, he is such a, a limiter. And what I mean by that, I mean, just whenever he – whenever things kind of seem like they're starting to get out of control just a little bit, it always felt like he found a way to minimize the damage kind of, kind of deal. Yeah. I, I just feel like he's going to every single start allow you to have the chance to win the ball game. And that's the thing that in thinking about this staff, like Sarantola, Sarantola can have innings or he has in the past that just the wheels fall off yeah. for him. And, you know, I mean, if that happens this year enough, you have so many options that you can plug a Landon Sims into the rotation or, you know, whoever. I mean, you got options there. Um, but that, that's what I kind of look for, like, out of Sarantola is has he gotten to the point to where he is around the zone enough that he doesn't just continually shoot himself in the foot? Because that, that's kind of what has hurt him in the past is despite how good his stuff is, he just has those innings where it just gets completely away from him. And sometimes when that train goes off the track, it hadn't been able to get back on. I never really felt like with Christian McLeod at any point last year in watching him pitch that his train came anywhere close yeah. to getting off a track. Sarantola, didn't he have a couple of games last year where he would load the bases and then strike out the side? Like strike out the side, the yeah. Minute. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's such he was such a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, yeah, type pitcher, 
And yeah. Scott Foxhall insists that, at least, you know, in scrimmages and things, that he's gotten away from from some of that, you know. And uh, he, does, so does we'll he see. Have the highest ceiling of any of those three? He might. Um, Lamonis was saying the other day that uh, he has one of the high, maybe the highest spin rates in, of all SEC pitchers or something. I mean, it's. I don't know he if has, you heard a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week on Sports Talk Mississippi, Aaron Fitt came on there and said, Potentially, Sarantola could be the first pick of the draft. Yeah. I mean, big guy. He's just got that frame, that yeah. durable frame that, that, that teams kind of like and, yeah. and look for. Uh, I mean, yeah, if you told me at the end of the year that he's kind of figured things out and had one of those Chris Stratton, Dakota Hudson-like jumps, I'm yeah. not shocked. And if he does that, you and I are eating Big Mama's Fried Chicken in Omaha in June. I mean, that, that's just the bottom line because Fingers I crossed. really do – I really do feel like, and I may be jinxing it. I don't. I really do feel like McLeod is going to be good. Like I would, again, I would bet a ton of money that Christian McLeod is going to be good. I, I, I know it's kind of scary to say that about a guy that doesn't have the experience as much as you would probably like, but I've just, it's one of those deals where sometimes you just see enough. And, yeah. and for me, with Christian McLeod, I saw enough. I think he's yeah. going to be. I think he's going to be really good. If you told me that Sarantola becomes what Aaron Fitt thinks he can become. Yeah. Yes, man. We we are sitting there as one of the the We're press members in, in the press box in Omaha. Yes. Yeah. And then no question about that. I mean, and, and, then, and that's not even talking about Bednar yet, who was really impressive a season ago. Yeah. And if any of the three were to fall off the rails for any for any reason, injury, you know, lack of performance, you've got Landon Sims who in most years would probably be in your rotation. Scott Foxhall said as much the other day. Um, we haven't mentioned Brandon Smith at all, who yeah. could, you know, theoretically step in there too. Houston Harding looked good at the end of last year. And, and then, I don't know, maybe you have another, is, you know, is can't it miss freshman. to say that once you get past this weekend, State shouldn't lose another non-conference game this year. I don't know about that, man. It's baseball. You, okay, you, can just, now you say that. But they only lost one in Lamona's first year. And this pitching staff is a much – when you think about who these guys are going to be able to throw in the midweek, if they're throwing Landon Sims and Houston Harding and Carlisle Kessler and Brandon Smith, I mean, who is stacking up to that? It's just going to be – Yeah, but, I mean, you think back, one of the, the non-conference loss you're talking about was like a one nothing extra one nothing, loss. But to, USM – and that I mean, was, was Walker Powell was pitching for them. Yeah, that's still there, by the way. I think he's got his doctorate <laughs> at USM now. But I mean, that, if you, it's not like they lost to a nobody. That wasn't a midweek game either. That was a uh, that was a Friday game. Yeah, but if you told me that Mississippi State had a uh, one of you know one or two, if you told me there was a forty degree day at Duty Noble, the winds just howling and and the, why is it so just, hot? You know, <laughs> forty <laughs> degrees, my God. If you told me that State's bats just went ice cold one day yeah. and, and they just got beat three to two or something, I mean, yeah. I would totally buy that. I, I mean, yeah, I get that. But they're, they're going to be, you know, favored in all of them. They don't play Ole Miss. They don't have the Mayor's Cup or the Governor's Cup this year. They got the one with USM. The non-conference schedule, I mean, they play Louisiana Lafayette, I guess. But I know, I know they have winnable games. I know exactly what you're saying, and I, I agree with the premise of what you're saying. It's just – I. You and I are both watching this oh, baseball. It's, baseball. Know that it, it, it's, such, it's such a coin flip on some days that, yeah. you know, you're probably going to lose a couple. Yeah. I mean, 
Well, who was we'll it? See. Who was it last year? Was it Texas Southern that Mississippi yeah. State lost yeah. to over here last year? I mean, crazy junk happens in the game of baseball. It just does. Texas Southern, and then two weeks later, you're, or a week later, you're, you're sweeping from Texas. The number three State. team in the country. So yeah, see how it goes. All right, let's talk a little bit about this weekend. Texas, Texas Tech, and TCU, not in that order, I believe. TCU is the, the Sunday game, right? That's right. Texas Tech's the Monday game. The Monday game. Uh, real quick question, by the way. Does this affect anything for next weekend? For next weekend? No. Now, it could affect the midweek. What I'm trying to say is this. Early in the season, you want to get the guys their full rest. But if Sarantola pitches on Saturday, or not Sarantola, McLeod pitching on Saturday, is he going to be good to come back on Friday? Uh, I mean, I, I look, I'm not Chris Lamonis. I don't get the money to make that decision. But, I mean, I would say that you're probably going to – I mean, McLeod's probably going to be on a pitch count of something on yeah, Saturday. I don't, I, I don't know what that number that is. But you've got to keep him around that yeah. and, and get him in line to start that first Friday game because that's when he's going to be pitching. I mean, you've you yeah. got to kind of go ahead and get in that rhythm. So then – Texas, TCU, Texas Tech. I think it's a fair prediction to say state can state can go two and one. They should. I think they should go two and one. I could see them losing one of these games. Sarantola's start obviously worries you a little bit because he has had a propensity to have to give up some big innings and then you got to go to the bullpen. I feel like I need to stop you here for just a second, okay? Because there's a there's a possibility here that state comes out of this weekend one and two or you know something like that, and there are going to be people. Oh, just they're going to melt. Just melting down. They're going like, to melt just like the ice is melting outside <laughs> right now. It's going to be brutal. If that happens, apart from State going over there getting embarrassed in like three straight games. Right, they lose three games like 12 to 1. We can come on Monday and go like, maybe this team's not that good. I would probably say that no matter what happens this weekend, all is pro- – pro- I mean, not, not that you may not have some concern or whatever, depending on what you see, but – no matter what happens this weekend, State's probably still going to come out of the weekend with the chance to have a really darn good season no matter what. I, I say this, and I say it every year. You know, when you look at the non-conference schedule, you've really got a maximum of, like, five games you can lose. It doesn't matter what games they are, although unless you lose a real – you know, like, if you lose Texas Southern, that almost counts as two, two losses. But you can lose five games, and then if you take care of your business in the conference, you're 17 and 13, you're going to host – and you have a good chance to be a national seed. So the problem is this. If you do get swept, your margin for error is very low the rest of the way if you want to host. I mean, that's just even – though, even though these losses will be, quote-unquote, good losses, high RPI at a neutral site, you, if you lose all three, that's a problem in terms of you don't have a lot of – and you got to be pretty good in the conference at that point. you got to be 18 yeah. and 12, 17 and 13, like that. Yeah. That's, so we'll that's see. Fair. But I think this team will – I think they'll take two. I think they'll take – if they take three, and I said this uh, on Sports Talk, I said if they take three and Ole Miss takes three, in reality, that should, they should be one-two the next week. I know that – I know that, it doesn't matter what happens. Florida's not getting dropped unless they go 0-3. I don't think State and Ole Miss are going to jump up. I think Ole Miss was – are they 7-8 and eight in, D, in D1? I think that's, that's right. right. I, I don't think I, they're going to jump that much, but they should. They absolutely should be one-two. At that point, I don't. I'll let other people argue who should be one and who should be two, but and because I, I know how some people will argue, but I think State will get two this weekend and finish. They'll be a top five team come Monday morning, or I guess will come Tuesday or whenever yeah. they do the poll. 
I agree. I agree. You know, this is a little bit off topic from what you're talking about there, but as you were talking and I'm thinking about these matchups over the course of the next three days, I haven't clicked on my direct TV over here and checked the SEC network guide or whatever, what it's on this weekend, but I guess flow baseball or whatever that is has paid a ton of money or something yeah. to be able to carry these games. Maybe that's it, but what a massive fail, I think, to not have this on somewhere. Now, look, I get it's college baseball. I get it's unique in that, you know, like I I love college baseball and it's yeah. not it, well, it doesn't have the love appeal, college baseball. These are three of the top see. four schools for baseball in the, in the in the conference. LSU's the only one that's left out. I, I just don't get how when you haven't had any college baseball for anybody how's in it not a, a calendar year, how a, a event that has six of the top ten or twelve teams in the country is going to get zero t- television coverage. Not only – you said, you know, I'm sure Flow paid good money. I'm sure they did. But don't convince me that whatever company has, owns Flow, the Flow Network, has more money than ESPN. Yeah, if I mean – If ESPN wanted these games, they'd have them. They didn't want them. I mean, I guess probably college basketball is what's going to be on SEC Network on yeah. Saturday, and I, I, it probably will do better numbers, I, I guess. I'll go ahead and tell you right now. But – I, I, you're you're probably right, but they could have state Texas and Ole Miss MSU basketball on at the exact same time. One available on one channel, one available on the other. The baseball game would get better numbers. Oh, within the fan base for sure. Yeah, more state fans and more and, and then more Ole Miss fans would watch their game if it was on at the same time than, than the best. Even though the, their basketball team could make the NCAA tournament, but they don't care because they want to see baseball. <laughs> Just you're. There has to be a uh, – I mean, ESPN has like 15 networks. They put on the Ocho it's, or something. It's I mean, incredible you, you that can, these games aren't, na- aren't nationally televised. The, really the, heck, the heck with that. Put it on – What is MLB Network showing the Sandlot? I mean, what, what the heck are they going to be showing on that? They could put – it it's in the Rangers ball. FS1 something. I mean, what – FS1 is probably showing, you know – I guess they're probably showing college basketball, but, you know, it's going to be like, you know, Binghamton versus North, Northeastern. Who cares? Uh, I, it, it's just what it is. So, two and one's your prediction. I mean, yeah, if I had to call it, I, I think that's State what gets I would the call opener it, too, so we all get to have a happy uh, opening day. Um, but again, man, it's, you got so many good teams. I mean, any record would not totally floor floor me. Um, no, you're right. But man. yeah, if, if I if I had to call it though, yeah, I, I think State's two and one. I mean, they they have so much depth that you feel like they can win at least a couple. I agree. All right. Well, we'll be talking about. I guess the first two games on our Sunday show, uh, we'll do that. Plus, we'll have MSU Ole Miss basketball to recap, and the women will be back in action as well. So, a lot to talk about on our Sunday show. Uh, we'll be back with you then. Guys, oh, you mentioned, have- you mentioned a minute ago about the schedule for next weekend and talking about yeah. it would have messed up the rotation. A, a quick note there for anyone that's thinking about you know the home opener on yeah. Tuesday and Wednesday. I have a feeling, you know, if these games in Arlington go off as scheduled, Tuesday, Wednesday is not going to happen as scheduled. At Probably Duty not. Open. Maybe, maybe Wednesday. They, they're going to want to take a day off. But uh, talking about playing what five in a five, row, five straight days out in season, eight out of nine, right? Something like that. You, yeah, you would play Tuesday, Wednesday off Thursday, Thursday, and then, and then Tulane comes in on on Friday. So the eight yeah, games and, in nine days, and then they, and they may have teams a, don't do that. Yeah, and they may have a midweek the following week. I don't. I'm not familiar yeah, enough with yeah, the schedule right, yet, so. too. So, but anyway, Lamona said once they get in the air to Arlington, assuming they get in the air, that they're supposed to get in the air sometime on Friday afternoon. If they do, they'll figure out next week 
So we'll, we'll see how the schedule goes. All right, guys. Back with you on Sunday. Everybody stay safe. Hopefully stay warm. And, uh, you know, hopefully the ice will fall out and you can start moving around again. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.